Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 54? When it all falls down on top of you. Divided into three sections. Okay, again, my, my Hebrew Bible verses are just different from yours. I think this would be the first three verses of your Bible. Uh, Silah, does that come in at about verse three? Okay, I, I thought it was about like that. So, so you can understand where you are and where I am and keep up with it maybe. For the conductor or the head, the chief musician on Naginoth, Naginot, Naginot. That's a uh, stringed instruments. It's a, a masculine of David, a contemplation, a contemplative song, something to absorb and to think about. Neganot, that's a, an interesting word. I don't talk about it much. Stringed instruments. carry to make the whole melody, to make the whole song or psalm, a str each stringed instrument would have its own note. Um, it might be the, the first and the third and the fifth, and it might be a, a minor seventh or whatever. Each stringed instrument would play its note and all of the instruments together taking from the various the variety of strings makes this this wonderful music there's several parts that are being played but they come together as the whole each stringed instrument brings its own tone to the entire melody. A, a masculine, if you will, a, 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 a prayer, a song of, of contemplation brings with it a variety of experiences. So you see this neganot, you see that several times in uh, the Psalms, and it should, it should make us mindful of the fact that prayers come from many different experiences. Yesterday you prayed for things that are totally different from the things you pray for today. Your experiences last year that drove you to prayer are different from the experiences that you have today that drive you to prayer. But when it all comes together, it's like a, a, it's a, it's a sweet-smelling fragrance to the Lord, and it all comes together like a melody. So all, you know, the, our prayers are being collected. That's what the Bible tells us in the New Testament. They're being collected and then they come before the Lord. So it's a sweet smelling fragrance according to the scriptures. Uh, 
And of course, the incense that was burned in the temple at the time of prayer was to illustrate the prayers of God's people ascending to the Lord. But this particular word could give us another thought of how all of the prayers in all of our life have come together from various experiences to make a, a great orchestration to the Lord across life. So this is one of many experiences that David puts together as a masculine, as a, a, a contemplative, a psalm of, a prayer, a psalm of, of, of deep thought, contemplation. So here's the occasion of the prayer that becomes a song. When the Zephim came and said to Saul, is not David hiding with us? Okay, that's back in 1 Samuel 23. David was on the lamb. He was running from Saul. He had a, an army of guys that had pledged allegiance to him. He, in various ways at various times, would bring his army to help people where Saul's army wasn't helping. And in this case, I believe it was Kerah, Kerah, a city, a village in Judah. They were being attacked and oppressed by the Philistines. Word came to David, who was out there hiding with his army, hiding from Saul, that the people in this village were being attacked and mistreated by the Philistines. And so David goes to the Lord and prays about it. What should I do? The Lord says, go and take them. Go against the Philistines. So he comes before his men. Guys, we're going back to Judah and we're going to help these people. Some of his men were reluctant because this place was filled with Saul's army and people for Saul and, and uh, uh, friends of Saul and so forth. And so David goes back again and prays and the Lord says, I have delivered the Philistines into your hand. Go with your men and take them. And he did and he, he saved these people in this village. He delivered them out from the hands of the Philistines. He delivered them from their oppression. Now they were of the Ziphim. Maybe your Bible says Ziphites. I don't know. Ziphim, that's the plural. And that was a part of Judah. Now these people betrayed David. He helped them. David was of the tribe of Judah. Saul wasn't helping them. The Philistines were cruel oppressors. David comes by the word of the Lord, defeats the Philistines and delivers these people, gives them back their freedom, their lives. And they sent 
word to Saul that David was there hiding among the people, among their people in this place. So this is one of these experiences that David had, betrayal. You study these Psalms, you'll see that David was slandered. People in his life said things about him that weren't true. Um, here he was betrayed. Various ways in his life. I mean, in many ways, his life was a, a hard life because of the way people treated him. Now, in this particular case, David calls for the Lord to help him. What do you do? These are, these are supposed to be my brethren. These are the people that you've anointed me to be king over. Why would I want to do anything against them? So he prays, Oh God, by your name, save me, and by your strength, vindicate me. So he calls for the Lord to help him by his name. The people of God, in a covenant with God, knew the name of God and knew they could call on God by name. There's a little bit, this is a, a Hebraistic thing, and it's almost peculiar just with David. You'll see it more than once where David calls upon the name. It's an appeal to the Messiah from King David to the one that he knows is the great king, but he doesn't know what his name is. Nobody yet knows what his name is, not until the angel comes and says his name will be Jesus. He'll save his people from his, their sins. Well, so he says, he's, he's really making a strong case to appeal to the King Messiah side of God. Very personal. King Messiah, the, 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 the Savior of God's people, who at this moment in time only lived in the hopes of God's people by prophecy. But to God's people, he was just as real as though he were standing there. So he makes this appeal. By your name, save me. And by your strength, vindicate me. That, that, uh, that's a Hebrew word, to vindicate. Here's what he's saying. Don't just save me. But in delivering me, show these people that I am your Child, I am your choice, and that you sent me to do this. Don't, don't just save me. Vindicate me. Make these people know that I was right to come and do this, and that they are terribly wrong. He's having to come against his own people, you see, as we're going to see here in the, 
in the psalm. So he asks the Lord to do it. Oh God, hear my prayer, incline your ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers rose upon me. Now, strangers, that word uh, means foreigners. Okay, these are people in Judah. But David is being enlightened to the truth that they're not really worshipers of Yahweh. They may be of your bloodline. They may have some place or something to do with Judah. But they're not true worshipers of the true and living God. So they're strangers. Rose upon me. Uh, come on. That word is a military word. It's like a sneak attack. It's, uh, it's like a, a terrorist attack, a, a sneak attack. And violent men sought my life. Then he makes this conclusion in this first part in his call for help. They did not place God before them. Silla. Now, Silla. That's a, generally used as a musical term, but it means this is it. It's a pause. The, 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 the stringed orchestration builds a crescendo and then it stops with a pause so that the worshiper or the one who listens and hears can reflect upon what just was said. Well, what, had, what did he just say? These people are really strangers. They're aliens. They're foreigners. They're violent. They've brought up a sneak attack against me, and they're trying to kill me. And they did not place God first in their lives. These are not God worshipers. They're idolaters. Israel is accused all the way through their history, to some extent, of idolatry of worshiping false gods. So here, he becomes, he becomes aware of the fact that they're not really spiritually in tune with God at all. They worship some other God. They don't have the true and living God before them. So think about it. All right, David begins this thing by asking God to help him out in a difficult situation. He saved people. He was, he was anointed by Samuel and appointed by God to be the king of all these people. And he's just a king in waiting, but he still has to be their king in his heart. And what kind of king would attack his own people? And yet these people have betrayed him even though they were saved and delivered by him and his army. This is confusing. God has to help him out here. So God begins to reveal to him that these aren't the kind of people that you thought they were. They don't have God in their hearts. So he calls to God for help. Now, now the situation becomes more clearly and focused. So here's the, what I call a confession of faith. 
Behold, God is my helper, Adonai. He doesn't call him Yahweh. He calls him Adonai, my, my equipper, my sustainer, is with those who support or uphold my life. Now, David was surrounded by men who had left everything behind and had come to serve and follow David. All along the way, he would find pockets of people who understood that he is the king that God had chosen. And so even there in that village, in that place, there would have been people who were supportive of him, maybe helped hide some of his men, maybe helped him in other ways, maybe fed them or gave them water or whatever. God is his helper. God sustains him and gives him all that he needs. And he also is with those who support him. His army and the other pockets of people wherever David had gone in these adventures before he took the throne. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off in your truth. Now here's the truth of God. The truth of God is that David is the rightful king of Israel. Right after this, David, right after this in Samuel, David has a second opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't do it. He won't do it. He doesn't feel like since by the divine and sovereign purpose of God, Saul is on the throne. It, he doesn't feel like it's, it's his place to kill the anointed of God. So he won't do it. Here, the people over whom God has said he would rule, some of them have become his enemies. God's going to take care of this, he says. God's going to take care of it, and he's going to cut them off in his truth. Now the word of God was that David would be the king. Having established a covenant with David, having sent his prophet to anoint David, it should have been clear that David was God's chosen to be the king. Saul, of course, rejected it with great, with great evil. And, and, and in an attempt to, to kill David more than once. But the word of God would be used somehow to protect David and to cut off his enemies. Even if David moved against the people, he has already been enlightened to the truth that they're not really the people of God. They don't really care anything about God. Therefore, they don't care anything about the Word of God. So if there's any conflict at all, it will be according to the Word of God. So this is his confession before the Lord. And then he makes this commitment to worship. Now this is where, this is not just here, but this, this is a principle that is established in the Old Testament. We see it here. It's called a free will offering. We've all heard of that, free will offering. There's no reason why David has to give an offering 
to the Lord. He's not required to do it. There's nothing in the law that says what God has done for him requires an offering. But he gives a free will offering. So he says, freely I will sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, Yahweh, for it is good. For out of all trouble, he has saved me. He has delivered me. And upon my, my enemies, my eye has seen its desire. You could translate, my eye has been satisfied. I have seen what I needed to see. And so has everybody else. God has vindicated. And in that vindication, God has satisfied. And I have seen it. So all of that's part of his, part of his free will offering. He offers this free will offering to the Lord, this sacrifice, this offering, and declares what great thing God has done for him. Well, we'll stop there and uh, we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.